think there's something written here. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Uh, It's great to be back with you for another week. Another week. Another week. Another week. (laughs) One more week. (laughs) Uh, Pre-warning, there is a um, mid-tier lubrication pre-episode. There may be spontaneous bursts of song because we are pretty much doing a musical. Can you guess? Riff, raff, street rat. What movie are we talking about, Greg? Aladdin. Aladdin. I've got a clip for you, Greg. You better. You better have more. Oh, do I spoil it now? I'm going to spoil it now because I may forget to play it. (laughs) (laughs) It's pronounced Aladdin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. It's actually pronounced Aladdin because when. Of course it is. There's, I was watching some I'm documentary so that talked about the, the original story, and the guy, he doesn't make a big deal out of it, but when he pronounces it, he's like, yes, the story of Aladdin, you know, on point. <sighs> so culturally in tune. I rest my case. I rest my case. End of the podcast. So thanks of, for coming. Thanks for coming. All right. Mission accomplished. Takeaway Greg was right. Greg is. Uh, Patting his hands and he's thrown his laptop in the trash and he's uh, walked out of the studio. Yeah, to take off my many layers. The season's (laughs) done changed in Sydney and it's pretty cold and this house of mine doesn't have, well, any heating. It feels good though because when we started this podcast, this was the hot box. Yeah. Now it's an ice box. Yeah, so in summer it's cooking and winter it's freezing. But we're all seasons, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I've just got many layers on. Should we talk about Aladdin? I guess. 92. 92, what a year. Yeah. Was that an Olympic year? It sure was. It was Barcelona. Yeah. This was this was Dream Team. Yep. This was the Dream Team. It was Kieran Perkins. Oh, it was Perkins, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I had, to, I had a Dream Team basketball card and I got stolen out of my backpack. Oh. I never found out who that was. Okay. Uh, Aladdin. All right. So <laughs> someone found $28 million and decided to make an animated picture. The budget... It was $28 million. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. $28 million. Yeah. But it returned $500 million. And that's box office. It also made $500 million in home video. That's heat. That's, that's a record. Yeah. And that that's doesn't crazy. include lunchbox revenue. <laughs> lunchbox revenue is huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty big costumes. movie. And strangely, yeah, Halloween costumes... The uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores, critic score of 94%, audience score of 92%. I mean, that's nice and close, but movies like this, I would have thought audience score would be a bit higher, but um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's very high. That's very, very high. That's higher than I would have. Uh, I could see why viewer scores would be that high, but I'm surprised that critic scores are that high. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was kind of expecting that. I think this is also the... Um, they called it the Disney Renaissance. This was they're on this hot streak at this point. Yeah, because there was Little Mermaid, there was Beauty and the Beast, there was this, and then following this, there was uh, Lion King. But then it was then there was kind of the crossover moment of when the Pixar movie started becoming big, and then nineteen ninety five. Yeah, ninety five, same year as what? Toy Story and 
Pocahontas. There you go. There you go. But that is kind of that crossover point where um, Pixar, this small independent studio that that Disney helped finance a picture from, ended up becoming bigger than, well, more successful than Disney and the reverse takeover happened. So, but at this point, for this movie, this is like peak Renaissance Disney pumping uh-huh. out these hits. And they really are quite unique because I feel like it's also kind of the end of an era in terms of hand-drawn animation and that kind of shit. I'm sure we'll talk more about that when yeah. we do, you know, Lion King and that kind of thing. So, because it's not the final one, but it it is kind of nice, you know? Yeah. It was the number one movie of 92. Yeah. Any other uh, top Greg picks in there for 92? Well, this kind of, I'll link this into um, my memories back yeah. in 92. And I can't really remember watching it, you know, in its, like when it was first came out. I mean, I definitely would have. I may have well have gone I'm to the same. movies. But then I was thinking, why can't I remember it? And then I was like, 1992, I was 10 years old. And I definitely would have thought I was too cool for Aladdin. Batman. Yeah. yeah, Batman was out, Home Alone 2 was out, Lethal Weapon 3, White Man Can't Jump, and to an ex- certain extent, Basic Instinct. <laughs> On a different, slightly different exploratory level. Yeah. Yeah. And then somewhere in the middle is Stop and My Mum Will Shoot. Oh, shit, yeah. And That's actually a really good a point. sweet spot for Estelle Getty. Yeah, because all those movies, a lot of those movies, except for Stop and My Mum Will Shoot, were in top 10. I mean, I mean I'm assuming 10-year-old Greg was not so much into A Few Good Men. But otherwise... I like Jack Nicholson, but I didn't know what the movie was about. Yeah. the I had a similar thing. I was like, I don't really remember it, but that's a good insight there, Greg, because that's probably exactly it. You're sitting yeah. there watching Home Alone 2, you're watching Batman Returns, you're watching Lethal Weapon 3. I yeah. didn't watch that. You're watching, you're watching, men, you're watching so 35 seconds out of Basic Instinct. Yeah, you're, you're, you're freeze-framing in opportune times mm. um, and learning about you know the uh, uh, yourself and... Uh, Anatomy. All kinds of things. But this is not at the top of the list, but it was kind of everywhere. I, I feel like just friends had it on. It was a home video thing is my yeah. memory of it. Yeah, It was just there. It was a staple. I had no particular affection for it or dislike towards it. It was just there. Uh, I mean, I think I liked the Robin Williams side to it, but otherwise it was just eh, yeah, kind of. I would rather be watching something else right now. Yeah, yeah. Something I can tell my friends I'm watching. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting one because while there are other movies we've done where we don't necessarily remember the first watch, they do at least have love it or hate it some kind of place. Mm. This doesn't really have a place. It was just kind of around. Mm. For us. For us. Oh, I mean other people for sure. People love this movie. Sample size of four today on a drive back from a client meeting. They loved it. Oh, it's my favorite movie. Can't wait. Can't wait for the new one. Really? Yeah. Um, whereas I'm, I am starting to get a bit more interested in the new one, but I don't think I'll watch it at the movies. I don't know. I saw the trailer. Yeah, at the movies the other day. Uh, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we as we get through. Uh, but should we start back back in the early nineties? We shall. Or maybe we should take it back a little bit further. What if I took Late you 80s. back to the year one thousand? I believe I have that right. I may or may not. So, of course, Aladdin is not an original Disney story. Go on. Aladdin is based on an Arabic folktale and very loosely based, may I say. So, it's mostly based on the version from 1001 Nights. Yes. Which is also kind of known as Arabian Nights. And that's a collection of stories. Like Arabian Days. Yeah. 
na 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 na, and they'll do all kinds of things that are slightly racist. Yeah, racist or racist? Uh, hmm. Racist. Racist. I meant racist, but yeah. Um, yeah, from what they call the Islamic Golden Age, which apparently was the year one thousand. So this thing existed. This dude Howard Ashman, who's actually a really interesting dude. One of these one one of these gems you uncover doing. This podcast, well, I mean, I'm sure other people have heard of him, but I have not. Um, he's like a lyricist and kind of musician and playwright, part of the Disney family and worked on a bunch of things. But he initially pitched it and wrote a 40-page treatment for Aladdin, uh, which was a bit more faithful to the original story and sort of had the genie as kind of a jazzy dude. <laughs> like, Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Bit more the, of a fat domino. Who was it? They had a couple of yeah, old jazzy I can't guys. The names, Fats but yeah, Waller, was it? No, something like something that. Like. But it was like a real jazz, like mm. yeah, a bit more of a bit more of a maybe. Yeah, yeah. Which I think still kind of made it through. That DNA was kind of there in a little bit. I thought so. Yeah, um, and he worked with his partner songwriter Alan Menken. Um, never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> He's Mr. Disney song, isn't he? Is he? Isn't he? Well, I think so. Yeah, this is what I've been learning. I didn't. I really don't know much about this area, but it sounds like he is. But basically, they worked on this. Studio didn't like it. Um, they were like, you know what? Not today. And instead, why don't you guys, the two of you, go work on Beauty and the Beast? So they went and worked on Beauty and the Beast. And actually, in the process of that, poor Howard Ashman actually passed away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He uh, actually had AIDS. Yeah. So he, he passed away in 88. No, he was diagnosed with AIDS in 88 and passed away in 91. And he actually never got to see this movie. Yeah. Not that his version is the one that got made, but he it was his Yeah, let's project. do this. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think three or four of his songs made it to the final version. And there's actually... He, he worked on a bunch of shit, like our favorite movie, Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> yeah. Greg loves apparently, that movie. Apparently. I genuinely love that movie. Greg's in denial, but deep down he loves it. Little Mermaid and, of course, Beauty and the Beast. Provocative. Uh, he also never got to see even Beauty and the Beast, which is really fucking sad, man, because this guy, he seems like, I, again, I really, it's really kind of nice uncovering these people you didn't really know existed and realizing how much of an impact they had on your childhood and that kind of shit. This is one of those dudes. Um, he wrote the lyrics for Arabian Nights. He wrote lyrics for A Friend Like Me and Prince Ali. Like, fucking legend. And... In the end credits in Beauty and the Beast, they, they had this quote saying to our friend Howard who gave a mermaid her voice and a beast his soul, we will be forever grateful. Aww. I've got a little clip of him here. Howard was the creative genius behind the renaissance of, of animation in the, in the 80s and 90s. I think Howard loved the sense of getting his hands on something and shaping it. And he hated when people interfered with his control. I do believe that most cohesive works of art are the product of basically one sensibility and then other people with other talents become extensions of that basic sensibility. Ready to stand. Ready to stand. Pat Carroll is wonderful, but you haven't heard The Witch's Number uh, until you've heard Howard before. Or for that matter, Audrey too. I mean, he's... And you never should. <laughs> so, obviously, a fucking legend. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't get to see his project through. But someone did. And so, Linda Wolverton, she had worked on Beast as well. 
uh, beating the beast as well. Oh, you got a beast, do you? In my notes, I did, and I realized I shouldn't just read that verbatim. Um, and she built on their treatment and wrote a draft and pulled in elements from another movie called The Thief of Baghdad. So I don't think, I think in the original Aladdin, there was no flying carpet and that kind of shit. Um, and these elements came from this this other story, The Thief of Baghdad. And I thought it might be interesting to play the trailer just to give a sense of what that, what that was. Where they were going with it. Come with us on a ship of adventure to meet The Thief of Baghdad. In that ancient land of mystery, romance, thrills, and excitement, there was a rich and powerful king in Baghdad. And there was a lovable little thief. Then fate threw together the powerful king and the little thief on the road to strange adventures. With the Thief of Baghdad, producer Alexander Corda takes you on a magic carpet to the seven wonders of the world of entertainment. The murderous dancing doll. The amazing flying horse. The giant genie, the temple of light, home of the mysterious goddess, and the all-seeing eye. So, that happened. Yeah, cool. Uh, which is interesting, and that starts to round out the story a little bit. It becomes a bit more compelling for head of Disney that time, Jeremy whatever his name is, which we'll get to a bit later. Um, directors come aboard, John Musker and Ron Clement. These guys are Disney animators from way back. They worked on The Little Mermaid. These guys were offered two, three different projects. Um, they had the option of Swan Lake, <clears throat> Aladdin, Ding. or King of the Jungle, which ended up becoming the Lion King. Lion so King interesting. The they delivered a refined draft of the screenplay. Jeffrey Katzenberg, CEO of Disney at the time, still didn't like it. He's like, you know what? Throw it all out, you fuckers. Start again. That's basically what happened. They call this... Uh, Ruthless. Yeah. They called this Black Friday. What a ruthless CEO. But it seems like he was kind of right because this was the renaissance of Disney. He made the tough calls. Yeah, I want to look more into this guy. Maybe when we do Lion King or something, I want to look more into this guy because we talked before about Michael Eisner and the other Disney guy and the different kind of... I want to hear more about his executive decisions. Well, it it, it seems like there is a direct correlation between these CEOs and like the product that comes out of it, man. Like Little Mermaid was originally... uh, You had short hair. All right, so he comes in and he's like, this guy's not happening. This is a bit shit. Throw it all out, start again. Like, literally throw it all out, start it again. The mood was, you know, funereal. (laughs) The mood was terrible because a lot of the work had already been done. You know, a huge amount of storyboarding and planning had taken place, you know, by that point. I came back to our offices and I was walking around the hallways looking at all the storyboards and the idea of starting over again was daunting. (laughs) I was not looking forward to it. So they had to scramble very quickly and try to rethink and rework almost the whole movie and the schedule never changed. We took eight days to restructure the story. Then we brought um, our group together, our storyboard writers, uh, in a room and we got out bulletin boards and really work through the entire story from beginning to end. So these guys cleaned it up even further. Katzenberg approved. And they made the final kind of edits to the story that got us to the Aladdin that we know now. So there was a mother character, got rid of her, uh, that made Princess Jasmine stronger. They removed a few songs. They rewrote Aladdin to be tougher. A young Harrison Ford with a face of a young Tom Cruise. Mm. They rewrote Iago from being a British butler type 
to being a comic type and we get our Gilbert Godfrey. So did Jeffrey Katzenberg date Lucy Liu? I don't know. Neither. <laughs> Go Is on. that an open question? Like, was Go that just... on. What? Go on. All right. So Katzenberg approves. The movie is happening. Let's cast this thing, Greg. Let's cast this thing. Scott Winger. Winger. Heard of this man? No. He's a Aladdin. So he no. was actually in Full House. Yeah, right. Yeah. He was CJ's boyfriend. And it's interesting because in the rewatch, his voice is actually quite distinct. And so I'll play a little clip from um, <clears throat> Full House. So what's wrong? I don't know. Something just doesn't feel right. Oh, well, look, that's because you're sitting on my golf shoe. <laughs> Sorry. Deej, what's the matter? We can finally be alone without your father barging in, or your sisters, or your uncle, or your dog. You know, you have a lot of people living in that house. He does the speaking voice, but then they have a different actor doing the scene. Singing voice. But I think it's pretty spot on. Like, I was watching it thinking, like, is that the same dude? But it's a yeah, different dude, but it kind of works. We'll get more into that later. Yeah, I didn't know um, Jasmine, an actress, Linda Larkin, I don't know a lot about her, but her singing voice was Leah Salonga. Salonga? She was... Uh, yeah, she's big in the Broadway. Yeah, so yeah. she's straight out of Manila to take the lead role in Miss Saigon when she was 18 on Broadway and I think on the West End as well and became the first Asian 18. woman to win a Tony Award. Um, she also did Mulan's singing voice. Um, what? That yeah. wasn't... Did Mulan as well. Are you telling me that Ming Na Wen was no. not the singing voice of Mulan? Oh, was she Mulan? Yeah. Yeah, no, she wasn't the singing voice. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Continue. Robin Williams, have you heard of him? Not Robbie Williams, not the singer songwriter. Robin. Robin Williams. Oh, Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain. My Captain. Nanu Nanu. Yeah. I think in the other one I said Ninu Ninu. It was close. Mork and Mindy. No, captain, my Captain. Many things. They wrote this for him. This was always the plan. Mrs. Doubtfire. So they wrote this for Robin Williams. Think they basically like there's no other person that can do this. And so the really cool thing they did to win him over was they took an old stand-up record of his. Did you hear about this? And they yeah. animated the genie roughly to that stand-up mm. tape. And there was something about schizophrenia or something, and it's the genie with another head pops out, and they fully yeah. created a scene That's based on this audio that was pre-existing, and they showed it to him, and he's like, this is fucking great. Yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. We'll get more into the performance later, but... Uh-huh. It's special. It is pretty fucking special. It was hugely improvised, and they encouraged that. He did six... He did four... Four-hour sessions. Yeah. So it was like, what is that? 16 hours of improv, apparently. Yeah, 16 hours of improv that they trimmed down into the film. And it makes sense when you watch it as an adult, knowing how things work. You're like, fuck, this would have just been all kinds of shit yeah. that they're just now stitching together. So that's, fucking cool. That's quite rare for a um, from an animated production standpoint, isn't it? Yeah. So they, they're usually working to a script. Yeah. He's, he talks about it here. They come... Up to San Francisco, and we go in a, like a little recording studio, and the animated, uh, the director, and a couple of the animators come, and the writers, and we just throw ideas, and they just said, "Try this." You need more power, Jim. Don't be afraid. You had it all along. I never did it. I am not at fault. And then I said, "Can I?" Try? And then sometimes it gets a little blue, and then, but I'm a genius, so that's not bad. You know, we do the other way right now. 
And they put in stuff, I can't believe that they, yeah, but they do it because I think they have a good time kind of pushing the boundaries of Disney animation, which is great. This is a blast. I mean, because to see the, the second part of the equation for this is them drawing it. I mean, they are so good. The guys who draw, which I've made fun of, but it's actually, they are so, they're really like, they act with a pencil. This, what they do is I kind of give an inspiration and then they go with it. There's stuff in the cartoon where they, they just play with images and they, they go as fast as I do, which is nice when you can travel at the speed of life. I think that's a massive point around the animators. Which part? The, the way he says it's kind of the, the other half of the equation, like they're, they're actors with pencils kind of thing. Yeah. Which is true. And in this movie specifically, each character had an animator. Mm. Um, so, and they kind of worked in isolation as much as they could. So they are kind of acting in yeah. a way. They're they, solely they, responsible for this character bringing this character yeah. to life. It's pretty fucking cool. For all their behaviors, quirks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never thought of it that way before. Yeah, I know is- even with computer animated movies, they do that these days as well. But I never really thought about it with mm-hmm. hand-drawn anime. I just thought people would just pump through frame by frame, beginning to end the movie. I didn't think about people being responsible for a character. Yeah. Pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Yeah, a bit like the Turtles, how they had the the guys in the suits and the voice actors and the puppeteers. This had, like, people doing the speaking voice, people doing the singing voice, and then the people drawing it. It's pretty fucking cool, man. Absolutely. Should we play the trailer and get into the movie itself? I think there's something written here. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck. Say the magic words. Genie, I wish for you to make me a prince. He has the lamb. We're never gonna get a hold of that land. Do you trust me? Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We All right, so what, how did you feel about the movie on the rewatch? Knowing uh, that, you know, this is, wasn't, a for either of us, not a massive... It was around in our childhood, but I didn't have a huge yeah. attachment. How I mean, you, I had the hots it? for Jasmine. Of, of course. Obs, still do. But we can talk through our top five shortly. Um, <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. I, I I felt like it had dated a lot in a, in a nice way, like visually. Some old school charm. Yeah, like it was... Quite hand clearly drawn. hand drawn. I was like, far out. This actually feels quite old. The way those old animations, the way the characters emote, like everything is so you can't see this, but it's like <laughs> everything's like exaggerated. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was pleasant. I enjoyed yeah. it. I I really enjoyed it, the rewatch, and yeah, it was just it was nice. I was watching it with Carol, who loves it, so that was you know it was a, it was a positive rewatch. Yeah, I was, and you? I, yeah. I was pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me, as you may have guessed, music, man. <laughs> Fuck. I was blown what? away. 
I mean, as a kid, I didn't give a fuck about that, yeah. I guess. And that was probably the part I was probably fast forwarded or something. Obviously, I knew a whole new world made famous by, uh, you know, Peter Andre and Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did some weird version of that, right? I got it right here. Can we listen? Yeah. So, Peter Andre infamously fell head over heels for Katie Price, aka Jordan, on their time together in, um, the, I think it was the first season of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Is that how it happened? The jungle. Really? Yeah. So at the time, he was a he had retired from the spotlight. He was living in Noosa. He was a real estate agent in Noosa. What? And then they plucked him back out of normal life. Yeah. Because he was huge what? in England at a time. So yeah, they, they like, love that Do you want to come do the I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here jungle show, which is pretty big here now. But He seems more English than Australian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's well, like Geordie Shaw and all that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they fell head over heels. But- they very famously covered that song, and it would be remiss of us to talk about that song without playing yeah. a little bit of that version. A whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no, where to go, or say we're only dreaming. A whole new world. I never knew But now from way up here It's crystal clear But now I'm in a whole new world with you Unbelievable sights So despite that (laughs) (laughs) I was blown away by this music, man Mm. Big time. Mm. Oh, that one jump song. One jump ahead of the something. Da, 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 da. What a great song. I like the um, Ali Bab, uh, Prince Ali. Yeah, um, man, that shit is good. good. It's fucking good. I keep, I've been texting Greg all week because screen grabs of me playing it on repeat. That one jump song. He's not lying. Fuck. It makes me want to be a Broadway singer. It's like, <laughs> I fucking love it. How do you feel about musicals in general? I hate them. Yeah. This is the thing. I don't know. I don't. I'm not usually like this. I don't like them. <laughs> Do you think this has converted you? Nah. Do you think you're going to go out and start singing like "Why Talk When I Can Sing"? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't saying hello to people yesterday, but today I'm singing to them. Anyway, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say. What? I was coming home the other day, mm. just up the road here from the overpass, walking down. Yeah, and. Two Mormons. young Mormons were walking in my direction. And you said? And, and one of them waved and smiled and I went, I was on the phone, I went, hello. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know if he got it because I said it just as we were passing. But he did like, he did full, that's like, actually, tilt his head, look at me, really? smile and wave. It's interesting. The uh, That's actually a good segue because. You're sending was... you to Hunter's Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Orlando. <laughs> but that was one of the first musicals I had seen. Well, definitely the first. Wanted to see. Well, wanted to see, but not because it was musical. I wanted to see it because it was, it was Trey Parker and Matt Stone. 100%. And so I went into that not ready. I knew it was a musical, but I the first time I, I saw it twice, and the first time I still enjoyed it, but I was a bit not ready for the musical side of it. So I generally don't. My body generally rejects yeah. musicals. Like it my, feels yeah. always feels a bit odd. 
these feel like songs, someone's about to take advantage of me. Yeah, it just about doesn't to, feel, yeah. and it just feels unnatural in the setting of the sh- of the movie usually, where it's like, oh wait, why are they singing now? Mm. So I, that always takes me out of it, and I just don't into it. But something about these, and I think also the way they. <laughs> I kind of had this saved later for a bigger topic, but I fuck it, I've started now. The the way they kind of half talk, half sing, like Peter Andre's version there, he's like trying to do his MJ thing. But when you listen to A Whole New World, which is not my favorite song by any stretch, mm-hmm. but the, uh, how does it start? I can show you the, he's almost talking. So it's very just natural almost. I don't know. I'm not going to overanalyze it, but there's something about these songs don't. that just fucking... They're good and they're funny and they're relevant to the plot and they just, it all fits so nicely. It gets me pumped. I love it. It's so weird. <laughs> Isn't that my workout three playlist? Fuck, I'm considering putting that song, that one jump song on there, to be honest. On, on my on my guilty pleasures gym playlist. Up what there else with is like on there? Chandelier. Give, give our listener. So, okay, so on my, trust you you may giggle, but trust me, if you're on the treadmill and you've got to pump out a couple I more Ks, you've you got Chandelier on there. <laughs> You put a little, uh, what's his name? Josh Groban. You raise me up so I can. It builds. It builds. You're like yeah. running your heart out. Um, what else is on there? <laughs> Keep going. This is good. What else on there? This, this, this might recorded. be on there. Then some Kanye on there, but that's not that interesting. Josh Groban. Josh Groban. You know who else likes Josh Groban? Who? Josh Groban. Lisa Simpson. Does she? She would. George Grove is pretty funny, man. Give him a chance. Not in that song, particularly. <laughs> All right. Potentially more on that later. We'll see how we go. But I, that was my main my main thing in the rewatch was fucking love the music. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams, awesome. And I was just as I was watching it, just trying to picture other people in this role, and it's, you can't really do it. Yeah. And then uh, just one overall point. It felt like not as much happened in the movie as I was expecting. It's interesting. I. Agree. I didn't. I didn't. It was like, oh, that's think the, that at the time, but now you say it was it like, oh, then sense. they do that. It was just kind of three things happen. Yeah, like the three acts were just three things. There mm. wasn't much complexity to it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it was just quite simple. Maybe that's mm. kind of nice in a way. Yeah. Should we should we jump into that? Should we go through the plot a little? Oh, why not? The plot. So there's this cave uh, in the desert. Um, cave of wonders. Yeah, it's got a lamp in it. Then there's. This kingdom, Agrabah. Mm. Agrabah, am I saying that Made right? Made up place. So Made you can up say place. It wrong. And it's got this king of Agrabah. Yeah. He's a bit of a battler. Sultan. Sultan. Yeah. Yes, sorry. He's got a really hot daughter called Jasmine. Um, and he's trying to set her up to be married. She's a very spirited princess. Mm. Where's the mum? There's no mum. That's a good point. Mum is immaterial or not material in the film. Yeah. I'm assuming... Jasmine takes after the mum because she doesn't look like the dad <laughs> at all. She's tall and skinny. He's rotund. Yeah. And she's very spirited. He's and a little ball. Yeah. And he's a bit of a, he's a, he's a, bit of a pushover, let's be honest. <laughs> he's probably very kind-hearted and other strengths. He's definitely on the softest touch spectrum of sultans, I would imagine. I can't imagine he had too many hands cut off. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, and she's, she's feisty. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's the mother's side. Must be. Yeah. But we don't get to unpack that. Yeah. Nevertheless, we are also inter- introduced to the Sultan's advisor. He seems pretty sketchy. What's his name? Jafar. Jafar. Yeah. Jaffa. He's got this skinny little goatee and he's got this parrot 
that talks. Slightly darker skin. Yes, which means evil. Evil, of course. We'll get into that. So he's pretty clear on wanting this lamp. So to get into this cave, to get the lamp, you've got to be like the chosen one, basically. The diamond in the rough. The diamond in the rough. So he gets a prophecy or whatever that Aladdin's that guy. So then we cut and we meet this guy in the streets, Aladdin, who's... Yeah, like all of that is pretty straight to the point. Yeah, they don't fuck around. He'll be stealing apples, keeping yeah. on that. He's got a love. This guy loves to steal an apple. Loves to steal an apple. Probably does it through song. <laughs> and he has a monkey. He's a so, real singer. Yeah. You don't see him, you'll hear him. If he, basically, how would I describe him? Kind of like a Indiana Jonesy, Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah, sort of bit. vibe yeah. in a sort of cliche Middle Eastern 16th century outfit. Yeah. Go, get him. Yeah. Answers to Aladdin. <laughs> so these. Worlds, I guess, intersect in the small town of Agrabah when Princess Jasmine, being the rebel she is, sneaks out one night into the town. And then uh, Aladdin starts trying to chatter up. Ipso facto, they're getting chased by guards. They're about to get sort of killed by the guards. And then she's like, I'm the princess. And they're like, oh, princess, (laughs) sorry. And then they take him anyway. So then Aladdin's chained up. Meanwhile, they've fallen in love pretty quickly. She's trying to get him out of jail. Doesn't happen. Then Jafar tricks him into escaping out of jail to go and find this lamp. Oh, yes. So Jafar is good at... Um, he's like a knight of uh, many faces. I mean, yeah. What's the thing from Game of Thrones? Faceless man. Faceless man. Yeah. So basically he can like... It's real Arya. Arya. Little Arya. So he goes out to the cave pretending to be this little old man. Sends Aladdin into the cave, and it's quite a deceptively deep cave. Yeah. Shaped like a tiger's head, as all good caves are. It's pretty fucking cool. It's very cool. Basically, the rules are, don't touch anything but the lamp. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Something like that. So he goes in, and then along the way, he meets a magic carpet. Mm. It's worth calling out, uh, he can't speak. He doesn't have a mouth. Yeah. But he gestures, and he's generally like a little puppy. Badass, when you think about it. They made a carpet of fucking character. Yeah. But they, man, there's a clip we'll, we'll put on Instagram or something. The way they show the way these geniuses with their pencils bring a fucking carpet to life as a character. Yeah. Fucking and amazing. It, it's quite a character. Like it, Yeah. Yeah. You feel what it's, it doesn't have a mouth. It doesn't have eyes. Like eyes are the thing that usually gets you going. Uh-huh. Amazing. Just some tassels. It's got tassels though. Yeah. And I guess tassels get you going. I guess so. Maybe I would have just been happy to piss off out of there with a magic carpet. That's a big win. Yeah. Think that's of a all massive the, think win. Think of all the things you could do with a magic carpet. It's like a car, chicks love cars, man. <laughs> it's, yeah. I was at my mate's first birthday party, kid's first birthday party, a few weeks back, and he, my mate bought him one of those little remote control cars that you sit in, so he's driving around this little BMW and he's sitting in it. It was very cool. Wait, remote controlled? Yeah, it was spectacular. Who controls it? The dad. the dad. He's it's driving amazing. his kid around. It was amazing. And this little girl at the party, so he's a one-year-old sitting in this thing, not really knowing what's going on, but feeling like a boss. And this little one-year-old girl just like toddles over <laughs> and gets in the car next to him. Like there was, it was a one-seater and she just squished her way in to next to him in the car. Fascinating. He sat there looking at him. It was fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, eh? I digress. <laughs> so anyway, he goes further into the cave, gets to the, towards the... Lamp, and meanwhile, his little Abu, his little monkey, spied a bit of treasure. Busy hands. Meanwhile, our our rug is trying to stop him from doing it. Yeah, good rug. Yeah, good rug. 
tiger caveman gets the shit. And then the whole cave starts imploding. He's right at the entrance and like falling down would be an imminent death. And the old guy's at the top who's actually Jafar, but he doesn't know it. And he's like, throw me the lamp. He's like, help me up. Throw me the lamp first. That old oh, chestnut. Yeah. And then basically throws him the lamp. And he's like, ha, 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 and lets him go. But Abu had pickpocketed him and they got the lamp. Abu the came lamp. through in the end. That's right. Good on you, Abu. Yeah. You fucked it, but you saved it. Yeah. Good man. And then he rubbed the lamp, well, accidentally rubbed the lamp. Out comes a genie. <laughs> Robin Williams, very famous scene. Never had a friend like, never had a friend like, never had a friend like me. Never had a friend like me. Ipso facto, he's got a genie now, big blue guy. They hit it off pretty well. Makes a wish to be a prince because he wants to pull the princess. He goes into town like, I'm the prince. First he gets her on the rug. So what I mean, chicks dig cars and magic carpets. Like he had her at the carpet ride, really. Yeah. And then he still pretends to be a prince. He's like, oh, but I met you in the town. You were broke. Yeah. He could have just said, yeah, I'm heaps poor, but I've got a magic carpet. And yeah. And a genie, so. That's enough. So you're telling me you only look like a young Harrison Ford slash Tom Cruise and have a genie that can grant wishes and a flying carpet. How many wishes you got left, big boy? Yeah, it's a pretty compelling deal. Yeah, and her other option is Jafar, because Jafar sets himself up to be the the fallback. Yeah, Jafar, not feeling it. So Jafar's like, fuck, this guy's actually going to pull her. I need to get rid of him. So then he, he gets back to the, the castle, and he's just staying overnight in the castle grounds, which was a bit weird. Remember that yeah. bit? Yeah. He's just sleeping on the grass down there. Down yeah. The weird. And then Jafar's guards capture him and throw him in the sea. Yeah, they kill him, but then the genie saves him. And then Aladdin goes to the palace to expose Jafar's plan. Yeah, but then somehow, yeah, I think, yeah, oh, that's right, Iago steals, steals the lamp. Yeah. So Jaffa's got the lamp now, and his first thing is to become a sultan, and then he, like, takes over, and there's clouds, and this is a whole dramatic scene. This is, like, the apex of yeah. tension and badness. It's like the bad guy putting on the mask in the mask. Yeah, yeah, this is the bad bit where the bad guy gets red. all the power. He's red. Yeah. Oh, but big. even, like, bad genie or genie just being his genie yeah, is mad. all big and scary, and he looks so sad. Like, yeah, that's but he's got cool. the blanked-out eyes. Yeah, yeah. I want that genie. And he was like, I'm sorry, man, basically. Mm. I'm his genie now. Then he wishes to become the world's most powerful sorcerer. That's yeah. pretty good. And he exposes Aladdin's identity. And then she's like, because he like whew, takes his clothes off. And then she's like, what? You are actually poor? And she ditches him. He's like, yep. oh, fucking this is why I lied. Because I knew you'd ditch me if I was poor. And she's like, I wouldn't have ditched you. No, I ditched you because you lied. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you ditched me because I'm poor. She's like, no, because you lied. He's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> um, Classic. And then... Aladdin, quick thinker, tricks Jafar into saying, well, you're pretty powerful, but you're not as powerful as a genie. And he's like, yeah, I wish I was a genie. And then he goes, yeah. <laughs> and he goes flying into a lamp. But the whole thing did feel quite quick. simple. Yeah, quick and <laughs> yeah. sudden. It's like. Yeah. Oh, being the diamond in the rough. By the way, it's that guy. Okay, I'll get that guy. Oh, yeah. And then he it just. They were getting married very quickly. But it wasn't short. It was still like an hour and a half or whatever. Mm. Maybe more. But yeah, something about it. Certain scenes were quite long. Like yeah. the time in the tunnel in the beginning. Yeah. It was quite long. And again, I don't think. I'm not even necessarily saying that's a negative. It's just different. It's an observation. Yeah. Anyway. 
Yeah, and then uh, Aladdin gives his third wish to releasing the genie. That's nice. Yeah, which was sort of like talked about throughout the whole program. Yeah. And then Genie leaves to explore the world whilst Aladdin and Jasmine consummate their two-week relationship. The end. The end. Good movie. Good movie. Not bad. I mean, should we talk about uh, Robin Williams in this? It's pretty, it's kind of his thing, isn't it? It's his vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty massive. I don't think I realized, I don't think I realized the significance of that as a child. And I don't even know if I knew that he was, I don't know. I'm trying to think of that time. Did I even know who Robin Williams was? Yes, you definitely would have. Okay. Yeah. What would I have known him from then? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, I think I watched Mark and Mindy. You know, he would have been in movies before that that you would have seen. Um, hang on, let's have yeah, a look. Yeah, he must have been. List of awards and nominations. Yeah, because um, got his own wiki page Captain for... My Captain, that was 89, wasn't it? Around there. What year was this? This was 92. Yeah, I'm sure that was 89. It was 89. Yeah. You're right. That was the number 10 movie of 89. I <laughs> know. How did you know that? Ah, I do a little podcast. Good morning, Vietnam. Awakenings. Okay, yeah. Hook was 91. Okay. Yeah, he was oh, like... Oh, okay. So he this was, was definitely... So where this was, if, I mean, this this movie was a lot of firsts. One of them was it was the first Disney to yeah. have a celebrity, a big name as a role. That's a good point. That's a, And that's actually a very good point in that there was... He did have a lot of movies coming out then. Good point. In Hook was before this and he... they I mentioned before they wooed him with this role by making some animation out of his stand-up. Um, but he... The reason he took this role was like, I want to leave something for the kids. Yeah. And so he did it, but he did it at, at, at SAG scale pay. That's right. Which 85, is $75,000 75, yeah. $75, he did this movie for. His usual asking fee at this point in his career was $8 mil. Yeah. And so he had other movies coming out around the same time. One film named Toys, which didn't really land. But part of his deal with that pay was he didn't want to promote this movie. He didn't yeah. want his name to be part of the marketing. That's right. He didn't want he didn't want his name all over McCappy Mills and yeah, the like because he says his whole philosophy is I don't want to sell stuff. That's not what I want to do. Uh huh. But he came to an agreement with Disney where they weren't allowed to use his name or image in the marketing. Yeah. And the genie yeah. couldn't take up more than twenty five percent of the image. That's right. And Disney broke both of those. Yeah. <laughs> they ended up apologizing. They realized that was a bit shit. Shouldn't have done that. Said so it was a misunderstanding. You know, the, oh, people in marketing, whatever. Like it was miscommunication, whatever. Yeah, he did. They gave him a Picasso. Yeah, and he said, "Fuck off." Worth a million. He said, "Doesn't match my decor." Yeah, he told him to piss off. They gave him a Picasso. That's crazy. They gave him a Picasso. It's worth a million dollars, but his rate is eight million. So on the one hand, you're like, it sounds like a grand gesture. A Picasso. That's crazy. But also, it's one eighth of his. But what's it worth now? Yeah. Oh, probably a lot. But because of all this, he didn't come back for number two, the return of Jafar or whatever the fuck it was. But you know who did? Let me tell. Let's see if you recognize this voice. Maybe you looked it up already. But listeners out there, do you recognize this voice? He's big. He's blue. He's black. Genie. Did you miss me? Be honest. Take care of these, my good mammal. Careful, they're heavy. Hang on, I got souvenirs for everybody. Woo, she dances. You guys! A 
parachute it down into the Taj Mahal. I roll up later, all along the great, great wall. I even made the famous leaning tower of Paul. But who is with me through it all? So for those playing at home, that is Dan Castellanata, better known as Homer Simpson. And that is somewhere between the genie and Homer, I isn't think, it? Yeah, I think he, it's... He, he gets... Like, it's there. If you didn't know Homer Simpson, you'd be like, yeah, good enough. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's around it's the a, same ballpark. It, yeah, and it still is. It's just that But it's, as soon as you know it's him, you're like, oh, I like, can hear that. Fuck, it's just... I can't hear anything else. Because <laughs> there's little Homerisms in there as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But to your point, Greg, that's a massive one. That he would... This... I didn't even think about this before. That... This wasn't how animated movies were no, cast. They were not. There were people like the guy from Full House, or like people who only did voice, voice acting. Actors. And you know, you would get a, got speaking paid. of Simpsons, got paid it would be like grand. Dan yeah. Castellanato, or it would be like Hank Azaria or Harry Shearer, or people we don't even know the names of because that was the whole thing. Yeah. They knew they were known in the industry and they weren't audience facing names so much or faces. That's right. Um, and it really changed the game. Because after this, uh, even even Lion King a little bit, maybe not a huge amount, but Jonathan James Taylor Jones. Thomas, James Earl Jones, big draw card. But um, Mate, we have had everyone since then. Everyone since then, and that's the main thing now. Yeah. So that, you know, it's um, like, yeah, it's like it's, it is it Disney? Who's who's doing it? Is it The Rock? Is it Tom Hanks? Is it Cameron Diaz? Is it Miley Cyrus? Yeah, there's a huge thing in the voice acting community. It's a bit uh, divided, where it's. You know, the celebrities are ruining the voice acting industry because there's all these voice acting veterans that don't get roles anymore. They get two or three lines in a film. Some of them say that's horrible. Others say acting's acting. Others and say that's show business, baby. Says show business, baby. I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle. I think it's interesting. I, I used to enjoy finding out that, oh, that voice is that voice and the mystery of it all and... Get you get lost in the character more rather than knowing that that's fucking I don't know John Ham or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, but I kind of like that too. I do kind of like that too. So I'm not gonna yeah, yeah I'm not gonna be hypocrite and like, be like I don't. The rock is Maui. Yeah, and I think from what I've read, I think there's no argument against good voice acting by actors, but I think it's more the stunt casting of someone who is famous but maybe not the best. For that voice role, like the one that, like David Schwimmer as the zebra in Madagascar. I kind of like that though. <laughs> no, it's all I came up with. No, but uh, here's a good one that I legitimately thought of at the time because it just stood out to me as odd. You know that movie, Chris Robots? Rock in Madagascar. No, <laughs> Ben still in Madagascar. Jada Pinkett in Madagascar. <laughs> no, um, Robots. Remember that movie, Robots? I think it's DreamWorks when they were trying to. When Pixar was still the thing and they weren't quite catching up, they didn't quite crack the formula. Yeah. It's um, Ewan McGregor. And he's an English dude doing an American accent for an animation. Scottish dude. Scottish dude? Whatever. Somewhere over there that's not around here. Yeah. uh, Write me some hate mail. Caveat. Tristan doesn't speak for the show when he calls Scots Englishmen. He doesn't do an American accent. His voice for this animation was an American accent, which was... Why are you getting Ewan McGregor if that's... You know what I mean? It was yeah. just odd. And his American accent is famously not good. So I think that's the kind of shit they're talking about and where that becomes the whole marketing of the thing. And one of the one of the voice actors... Um, I think a lot of these guys are anonymous. They, they don't really say what it is. But he calls it the Shrek factor. And he says it's kind of Shrek was the one that kicked it off where suddenly these, these actors' names are above the title. Um, whereas before it was... That didn't really happen. 
And so you get your you get your Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy above the title in big green puffy letters. Yeah. Um Done changed the game. Yeah, done changed the game. But voice acting's huge, like Mark Hamill, fucking Luke Skywalker. He's, he's had a, a massive career in, in, in voiceover. Huge. Voice, he does he's people rate him as one of the best jokers. He does a joker uh voice in in the animated series of Batman. In the video games as well, so there's a lot of voice acting still going on. But even in gaming, there's getting more and more celebrities in there as well. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, that is taking off, isn't it? The um, I was reading an article on the new Grand Theft Auto, um, and I didn't realize this, but quite a few famous actors have done because there's a there's a there's a few leaks about a new one coming out. Right. So I was talking about. First, I was talking about the universe. Like, is it going to be back in LA? Yeah. Is it going to be Miami? Is it going to be a new city? It's going to be in space. London, Tokyo. Yeah. Is it going to be the whole of America? Like, all this stuff's being speculated. Yeah. Who's doing the voices? Is it going to be? And there was a. Is it going to be Greg? Is it going to be Double Impact? Is it going to be Double Impact? Very likely. But the interesting one on GTA is GTA 4 was when it really became what we start to know it as today. But then GTA Vice City came out, and that had Ray Liotta. Beautiful. Ray Liotta was a voice in that, and they had quite a few recognizable voices and names in it. And then they went the other way completely, and they wanted unrecognizable voices because they wanted you invested in the characters, not thinking about what celebrity voice it was. I think there's something in that. I agree. Because, again, watching Aladdin and that voice, that's Aladdin's voice. Yeah. Maybe because I don't watch enough Full House, (laughs) but that's his (laughs) voice. I agree. I think maybe it's nice to have a little something, something in there. But also, there's the reality of Hollywood too, right? Like, so much of getting a movie made is having a star attached. So, yeah, it's kind of and the and that's where the yeah the the lines of are, are becoming yeah. blurred between from a revenue perspective, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, cinema is competing with gaming hugely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film yeah, is yeah. competing with gaming. There's a lot of talk around that. So, I guess yeah, from a from a bankability, as you say, marketability yeah. perspective, having those names next to GTA's yeah. logo, having and movies especially. Anyway, the point is, I think that's just an interesting one. Again, I don't really have a strong opinion on that. Yeah. Um, should we talk a little bit about the traces of racism that kind of put a bit of a dampener on this whole thing? We can. So I, I'm not going to go too hardcore on this, but it is. There is a bit of uh, shitty representation of uh, Middle East and Far East, North African uh, characters in this movie, um, often referred to as Orientalism, uh, how how Westerners portray this vast region. Um, I think the most obvious one, Greg mentioned it before, the, the original lyrics to Arabian Nights, if you saw this in cinema, the original lyrics to Arabian Nights were... Um, oh, I come from a land, from a faraway land where the caravan camels roam, where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. And then yeah. it ended up being like, it's hot and steamy. But they still said, it's barbaric. Yeah, It wasn't yeah, that the offensive that part. I mean, it was all offensive. But it's just this, uh, just creating this weird fantasy land of this uh, over orientalized exotic kind of vision of barbaric vision i guess of backwards what the middle east is yeah Yeah, pretty just a western view on yeah 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 and um actually the guy that lobbied to get that lyric changed so that lyric got changed for the home video release which doesn't sound important but actually when you think about 
500 million dollars on home video release. That is a good result. Um, Dr. Jack Shaheen, he campaigned for this, and it turns out he's a bit of a legend. So he is. Um, who is he? Tell us. He's who this he is. dude in in Hollywood and a big uh, activist for the representation of Middle East in Hollywood. Just really interesting, dude. I'll play a little clip here. Let him speak for himself. We inherited the Arab image primarily from Europeans in in the early days, you know, maybe 150 years, 200 years ago. The British and the French who traveled to the Middle East and those who didn't travel to the Middle East conjured up these images of, of the Arab as the Oriental other. We have this fictional setting called Arab land, a mythical theme park. And in Arab land, you know, you have the ominous music, you have the desert. We start with the desert, always the desert as a threatening place. Yesteryear's Arab land is today's Arab land. You are late. A thousand apologies, oh patient one. You have it then. I had to slit a few throats, but I got it. Disney's Aladdin was seen by millions of children worldwide. It was hailed as one of Disney's finest accomplishments. But the film recycled every old degrading stereotype from Hollywood's silent black and white past, where they cut off your ear. If they don't like your face, it's barbaric. But hey, it's home. But this moves way beyond one song. The Arab is one-dimensional caricature, cartoon cutouts used by filmmakers as stock villains and as comic relief. I mean, it's interesting. It's pretty hard to ignore that. Yeah. Again, it's as it's a couple of thirty-something white dudes, but it's a couple of white dudes. But we don't notice this Wait, when what? we're kids, and it's things that we. It's good to point out now. Um, even within the movie itself, like Jafar does have darker skin, and is more living into stereotypical Middle Eastern images from from a Western. Yeah. Kind of viewpoint, um, and all the main characters we're supposed to like are very much whitewashed. They have American accents. They're very Western-looking, coloring, etc. And a lot of these support characters, not even Jafar. Jafar still kind of has an English accent thing going on. But a lot of support characters, very cliched accents. These guys don't have American accents. Like the guy he initially sends to the cave, that guy, that kind of accent. They're either bad. Uh, presented as bad or presented as kind of foolish, like mm. crazy locals, like it's selling at the stalls and that yeah. kind of thing. And it's interesting because I think the general reaction to people who don't often, I mean, most people, we don't often think about this as, as you know, white people who are pretty well represented in media. Oh, we're we reading too much in this. It's fucking crazy well, because... I mean, I'm a ranger, so we're probably on a different <laughs> scale. <laughs> Fair enough. Eric Goldberg was the supervising animator um, on the genie, and when when he was asked why the genie's blue, he said, "I can tell you exactly why. The reds and the darks are bad people's colors. The blues and the turquoises and the aquas are the good people's colors." To be fair, that's slightly out of context. I don't think he meant the darks in in that sense, but no. he was trying to create a visual language. Yeah. But the fact that it does skew dark towards evil and bright towards and white, yeah. you know, it's. I think there's I think there's differences between I think I agree with most of it except the color piece because there's there's broader non-racial reasons around color and what they represent. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true when it comes to the genie, the good genie being blue, the bad genie being red, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. But there are things in this but the movie, other stuff, of course, totally. where like the actual characters, their skin tone is darker. Yes, it's- if they're bad or foolish, yeah, like that's pretty hard to ignore. No, no, no. The accents I'm on board get with that. richer, yeah. like they get they're less more foreign. They're more foreign. Yeah, that foreign. that shit's pretty fucking hardcore. Behind the mic as well is interesting. Yeah, in this one man, have you Not seen one. Jasmine? Oh yeah, 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 Blondie. She's super white. Yeah, she's Betty fucking Crocker. <laughs> I'm assuming Betty Crocker's white. Yeah, I assume. <laughs> assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming so. I mean, while we're at it, this is not Bechdel territory either. This is a princess waiting to be saved by a man. But I do think they do give her good agency and she's kind of got her own thing yeah, going no, on. Yeah, she's, she's empowered. Yeah, but she's, she is the only woman that doesn't talk to another woman about anything. I um, did. I did. I was interested because I was kind of blown away to see that she was white. Yeah. The the singer that you, we talked about earlier, the Filipino chick, she's obviously not white, but yeah. not Middle Eastern either. But I did a bit of digging into the others, a few of the other faves. Oh, uh, Pocahontas. What? Checks out. She's Native American. Really? Irene Bedard. Yeah, she's legit. She's like an Alaskan. Pretty good bird. for the time too that yep. they even considered that. Yeah, they're all over. I was happy. Mulan. Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen. She's well known for, she's in quite a bit of, quite a bit of stuff. She's in The Single Guy. She's a babe. Oh, The Single Guy. You know what that? Yeah. yeah, I loved that show. I did too. She also played Chun Li, so she'll probably oh, get a bit yeah. of airtime on the show. And oh, Ming Na Wen cast is coming. Yeah, yes. Ariel, played by somewhat of a redhead. Did I'll she let... have legs or a fishtail? She had legs, so <laughs> not a pure, true representation of a mermaid. <laughs> so I was, I was like, ah, oh, they kind of get, they got their bases covered. That's pretty good. It's pretty good until Mickey Mouse. Not really a mouse. Really? What about Minnie Mouse, though? Yeah, she's fine. So they got most of it covered. Yeah. Ariel could have been redder. She wasn't flaming. She yeah. was more of a strawberry blonde. <laughs> it does look promising in the new one that it's it looks pretty. Even playing field, casting actors who are actually representative yeah. of these cultures, relatively speaking, uh-huh. looks pretty good. Yeah. It's probably also a good chance, though, to talk about some of the nuances, I guess, that the Disney lens applied to the tale. The other difference between the two stories is that in the original story, the genie gives Aladdin infinite number of wishes, as opposed to the three wishes that we get in the Disney version. And I think one of the interesting things about the genie that I very much like is that he's someone who wants to be free. In the original version of the story, there is no desire on the part of the genie to become free but in the disney version his fantasy is to be free and i think that too is an american value that is projected onto this character so i think that's pretty interesting too like uh-huh. it's very easy to just go oh it's so whitewashed and then but even that dude's like oh it's pretty interesting the way they put that twist on the genie that he wanted to be free so there's there's room for different interpretations it's not evil that this is an Americanized version of the story necessarily. Maybe better representation of, you know, Middle Eastern cultures, but some elements of this are nice builds. So it's yes. kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. I One thing that we haven't discussed, um, so we talked about Robin Williams in this role. It's a, 
very significant role. The ad-libbing yeah. was incredible. Yeah. We haven't discussed the most significant groundbreaking piece for this role, which was I, in my rewatch, um, I was watching this going, he does like Rodney Dangerfield, Dangerfield yeah, impersonations yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, um, 10-year-old Greg wasn't getting that. Kids yeah, aren't yeah. Getting Jack that. Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson. There's heap, like he's, There's that black and white thing at some point. There's heaps. Yeah, there's so there's much There's so in many. Basically, what I'm getting at is he's doing a lot of that not for a kid audience. So it's the first time, yeah, I believe. Double coding and all that. That's already. right. Yeah, which has now is in the DNA of, of, yeah. of Pixar. and, and It's Disney. part of the formula. Make it's it compelling formula. for kids don't notice if they don't notice it, but parents get it's it. It's integral. There's enough the for both. Like, yeah, yeah, work yeah. If, That's a really to, good point. Yeah. It was, this is when they found the... It's the sweet spot. Fuck, you could trace that back to Robin Williams. I as, believe so. Uh, if you're listening and you can take it further back, happy to hear it. I mean, it's down. I think beyond that, it's probably down to personal taste. Like maybe you love the Little, little Mermaid or Snow White. That's fine. But this is more a deliberate, well, in his case, a deliberate choice to speak to both child Correct. and parent. Correct. Not just something that the parents happy for their child to watch, but something that they enjoy. They enjoy. Which really then ushers in the Pixar era too. Massively. I That's thought it was Toy Story. I just assumed it was kind of the Toy Story thing. But. Yeah, yeah, and and because it was not like that was this was probably one of the first ones we watched of a age where we have memories, so it seemed kind of normal. But that's a massive one, isn't it? Yeah, which has made it also even more special. Like if you if this character already wasn't amazing enough to to think, yeah, because that was, actually that's a good point. That I probably didn't mention in my rewatch was I think I just generally liked the genie a lot more. That was probably my main guy yeah. <laughs> watching oh, it. Yeah. yeah. Other than the singing, that was my main guy. I was like, yeah, he's doing this, he's doing that. I love it. <laughs> I just can I tend to watch Robin Williams movies now with this mix of awe, yeah, happiness and just sadness. Yeah. Knowing he's gone, knowing that, yeah. he, that he left the world sad. You know, I mean, like it's it's tough. To be honest, I did he was a bit hit or miss for me a little bit. But I think he just had so much energy that sometimes if it wasn't channeled in the right places, it would be a miss. Yeah. But once it's focused in the right thing, it's such fucking gold, man. He was definitely hit and miss, but yeah. fuck, his good stuff is like perfection, man. Man, it's yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. It's This is a good example of that. It's just like, yeah, bang on. Yeah. And it's easy to nitpick. You're spoiled. If you if you grow up with Robin Williams, you're spoiled. You have mm. so much Robin Williams to go around. It's easy to nitpick and go, oh, that wasn't very good. All you need to do is watch this. It's a fucking genius. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Kind of all there is to it. Yeah. After everything we just said, that's some pretty big shoes to fill. Big blue shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure about, with the remake, it seems more like a remake of Hitch in the, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the Aladdin universe. Nice. Is not, Kevin, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. He plays Aladdin. <laughs> and Adam Sandler plays Jasmine. <laughs> Be oh, Aladdin, yeah. sweet Aladdin boy. <laughs> um, hey, if you were recasting though, who would you make as the genie? If it, well, so I was thinking about this, Smith, and I think not just because of the trailers, but we, but it's hard to separate it now. But with the new trailers, I do feel a little bit more confident in where it's heading. Because I, I think the obvious thing would be to go, oh, Jim Carrey or something like that, right? And that would make sense. That would be a sensible replacement, and if you're going to try and replicate, but I do like that they're trying to do something different. Mm. It's a bit like when you recast the Joker; like yeah, you can't just kind of try and do the same thing. You got to kind of make your own thing. So I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. If, I don't agreed. know if Will Smith 
Will Smith would be my top choice, but I do like that it's a choice. Like they they could have been lazy and literally just got Jim Carrey or someone. Yeah. And I think maybe I would have thought I would prefer that, but thinking about it now. But if I was recast, I, I didn't really have any hot takes on recasties. Carol threw out a decent one, but I'm yeah. thinking about it. Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, as Jafar. But then I was like, uh, then I was just like, as Jafar? No, she said as because we're talking about genie, and then I was I was, I was just about to oh. say, no, nah, he's nah, Jafar, yeah, isn't he? Jafar. Yeah, he's Jafar. yeah, totally. And maybe the pencil that. beard, but as yeah, no, but you could see him like yeah, but he, but he might make that role too funny. He should have been Jafar. That's actually really good. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's perfect, isn't it? Because he's got the tall, like it'd be he's slink, he's sl- yeah, slinky, yeah, 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 and and it would have been the inverse of this. He he'd probably be paler than the rest. Yeah. So, oh, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Hey, uh, Who is Jafar? It's not some sexy man. Iger, if you're listening, still time. DJ Khaled is head of the guards. Is <laughs> what? Head of the guards. <laughs> yes. That could work. You could have Bieber as Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, his voice would work for the singing. It's kind of the same. Bieber's pretty Aladdin. He, yeah. That would actually work for the vocals. The two white. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, that's pretty good. The um, have you heard? It's 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 not super obvious in the uh, trailer, but I am coming around to the Will Smith thing, and he he recently gave us a little taste on Fallon. I'll play this yeah, for yeah. you guys. Hit it. When I was messing with the music, I had him grab. There's a song, "The Friend Like Me." You ain't never had a friend like me. Absolutely. So when we went in, I had him grab uh, the "Impeach the President" by the Honey Drippers, and he used the drums off of the "Impeach the." <laughs> Right, yeah, standard old school. Well, yeah. Alibaba, he had them 40 thieves. Shahrazadi had a thousand tails. <laughs> but, Master, you're in luck because up your sleeve, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. Heavy ammunition in your camp. You got some punch, pizzazz, yahoo, and oh, all you got to do is rub that lamp. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a win, but it's hopeful. I think like my yeah. worst fear originally was like I don't want a rapping genie. Please don't give me a rapping genie. But it's uh, it could be interesting. Well, look, I'm a huge Will Smith fan. Yeah, it's he's so likable, right? Yeah, he's, he's in. Not, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not into Disney live action remakes. That's not really my same. Name, yeah, but I yeah I'm I'm the same. I have no interest really in the Lion King. Like yeah, it's just not I my mean thing. Dumbo didn't watch that. I mean off a low base, I would say this is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. I look forward to watching this on my couch at some point and probably not going to see the movies. Yeah. It looks like the most interesting of them because The Lion King is really still animated. It's just it? more realistically animated, whereas this is at least human, so there's nuance and there's you might see some new things. Yeah. And it's Guy Ritchie, which is weird. There's a good chance he'll fuck it up. Yeah. But I'm hopeful. I'm being optimistic. Yeah, I'm it not could think- be good. I'm not thinking about it too much. What about this particular movie? Rewatch. I mean, reboot is happening whether we like it or not. Rewatch. Uh, what do you yes. reckon? Yeah, I reckon rewatch. I think the music, like I, I mean, I've said that a million times. The music is fucking good. There are racial no, if, issues in this yeah. that to be conscious of. If you've got kids, it, it, there's good shit in here. The songs are so fucking good. Yeah, man. There is a, and I think just the the overall aesthetic, the overall aesthetic of of the hand being drawn. hand drawn, and I I do I hope we still do some hand drawn animation at some point. That would be nice. Have so, um, I guess to finish, it might be worth just quickly running through your top five Disney chicks. 
Disney chicks. Yeah. Pocahontas. Yeah. That is all. <laughs> I mean, a distant second would maybe Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> yeah. I think you only got Pocahontas. What do you got? Uh, Jasmine's probably in there. Maybe actually. Jasmine. Yeah, Jasmine's in there. Maybe Jasmine, Pocahontas, Ariel, Belle. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Is that all of them? I think so. I need to. I need. I used to know this list a lot better. Really? Yeah. I can't even. I don't think I. Anyway. Anyway, my MVP is Robin Williams. That's not. That's yeah. pretty fair. <laughs> my MVP is Prison Guard Six. No, it's Robin <laughs> Williams. Yeah. The genie. He's he's an all time character. Yeah. What have we got coming up, Greg? Uh, a few bits and pieces. I think, yeah, we've got a few bits and pieces. But yeah. um, I think coming up next is Boini. I don't know. Boini, probably, maybe. Or Who Arnie. Knows? Something like that. Either way, um, give us a review. We need some more reviews, please. Yeah, reviews are good they currency make, in Apple land. Yeah, they make for great success. Written review, not just stars. Stars are good, but written yeah, reviews are write, good on just Apple. Write something. Funny. A share, tell a friend, tell your mum, tell anyone that'll listen. Yeah. Get around it. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta pee. Okay, well let's wrap it up. Hang on. Da, 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 da.